Welcome to Podcast with Cooper Cherry. We're strapped into the Bullet Coop spaceship. Today I have one of my, my all-time favorites, uh, Scott Williams, rejoining us. This is probably what you're... I think this is maybe your fourth episode, man. Yeah, maybe like... Yeah, that's a lot of them. The like, people spoke and they demanded your presence. Oh my God. And by so the people, I mean, I mean just me. <laughs> you're my people, bro. It's cool. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I don't know. Just to give a little background on Scott, we've known each other since college. He's kind of a... A realtor here in Austin, a wheeler and dealer, a talker, um, a schmoozer, hand kisser. I mean, baby kisser, handshaker. Exactly. But I, I definitely someone that influenced me coming along through the ranks. So always like to get his perspective every couple of months and see what he's been up to lately. Well, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. They all stink, right? <laughs> yours, yours stinks just in the right way. Like. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. But uh, so I, I wanted to start out with uh, so we had John McCain pass away this recently, yeah. and uh, you know I'm since I'm more of on the quote unquote far left political spectrum, you know, I got my marching orders from George Soros that I am to shit on John McCain, <laughs> a yeah. man that's dead. I will shit on the dead, like yeah, the rest of the big, leftists. I'm not a big fan of that guy either, you know, but. Uh, I'll watch out for karma. I don't want to like say too much, but I'm not like terribly upset that he's passed. I mean, he was an, I don't know. He's a big conservative guy, probably undermined a lot of liberal, you know, legislation. And, you know, he, he did a lot of shit that I don't agree with. Right. That kind of macro scale of stuff. So I'm not exactly sad that he's gone, but you know, now the question is who's going to replace him. Somebody um, probably better even more worse. of a fuckhead. Yeah, I don't, know, that's, yeah. The, that's always the bitch, you know. In this climate, yeah, it's like I find it hard to believe that someone better than McCain, more, you know, of a, I guess, left-wing or even centrist approach, because, like, that's kind of the thing that was a little bit annoying, and a lot of people expressed this, was that, you know, this guy was sort of lionized by sort of the liberal press, and whatnot as this, you know, maverick, and he was, you know, he was a man of his own where he would, you know, just make his calls based on what he thought and not what the prevailing wisdom was for the Republican or conservative side, which I think is is pretty much bullshit. Even for Trump, he ended up voting, I think, lockstep about 85, 80 to 85% of the legislation was certainly... It's an issue of, is it the, the... the devil you know or the devil you don't right and so now that he's gone right who's the next guy gonna be is he gonna vote same way is he gonna be as as conservative who knows i mean i think overall we've taken a huge step right with the world you know and this is not just not just with trump in america but with uh you know the the turkish prime minister really grappling for a tremendous amount of power undermining they're kind of equivalent uh, Senate, Congress, House. You know, he's basically made this huge grab, ended term limits. He's basically now a dictator. Uh, Erdogan, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's supported by the conservative right. So he basically says, you know, two things you need to know. Do you do you fear God? Do you love your country? It's all you need to know. Vote for me, <laughs> right? And he has really harnessed the, the power of the, we'll call it the uneducated, the religious masses, and uh, and now he's in a great position to be in power for for the duration, which that's never healthy. It's never a healthy democracy, right? When you've got uh, you know one ruler that's you know unopposed, uh, unchecked, right? 
and he kind of took all the took all the teeth and claws out of their democratic process and uh, you know they don't really have a Congress or a Senate to, that can really rival him so he can pretty much do what he wants when he wants and he's got the power of the people and so at this point it's it's his country you know uh, it's kind of a diatribe there but no I like it it's, uh, it's good I'm glad you brought you're bringing a little bit of uh, some I'm just spice saying there that, I'm just saying that we that, that the this whole right movement isn't just uh, isn't just at the Oh, John oh yeah, it's definitely it's yeah worldwide. It absolutely is. We've just taken this massive step backwards with regard to kind of you know, human rights and social issues. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't know how we're going to get back, at least back to center. Like I'm not saying we need to all go far left socialist, but I don't know that we need to be uh, you know bringing back bringing back these antiquated ideas of you know nationalism and yeah, exactly. ethno states and all that kind of right, wild right. shit. But yeah, you're definitely right because there's also, you know, you have Erdogan in Turkey. Actually, you're reminding me, did you know that this was about probably a year ago his bodyguards actually got into a fight with some like I think there were some maybe Turkish pro there was I forget what the details were of whom he got into a fight with, but like his bodyguards are like beating up these people on American soil. That are like were like protesting him, or there was some type yeah, of no, anti. They, no, I've seen the YouTubes of that. It's it's dudes in suits like beating people up on like the Capitol lawn or something. I mean, it is like egregious. Uh, yeah, he's basically got big mob thug guys in suits, and they go over beat up a bunch of protesters, break their signs, knock them out, and like that that's, was just him rolling. That's through a pretty the, ballsy move, right? Yeah. Just like let me come to your country and just fuck yeah. some people up. <laughs> uh, but that you know, if that's what he does when he's traveling. Right, <laughs> right you know? yeah, seriously. Imagine how he feels when he's comfortable at home. So, how how much do you know about Turkey? Because I'm sort of um, kind of interested in what's going on with uh, Rojava. Uh, I don't know a ton about it. My my good buddy Sky Gilbert, he's actually lived over there for God, six seven years cumulative. Um, so he's got a oh, a lot a lot more knowledge than I do. I traveled there one time. Uh, it's fascinating. It was one of the uh, in, in one of the largest cities in the world, so I went to Istanbul, which is they kind of say is the gateway from the east to the west, right? It's got a really interesting mix of both cultures. Um, but in this city of, you know, zillions and zillions of people, right, I felt super alone. So it was one of the more lonely experiences I had had traveling because I was so far culturally different than the people I was surrounded with at this time. And this was, uh, you know, and, and, and Turkey's not even far right. It's not even far conservative. It's got some super conservative parts. Yeah. But Istanbul is the most liberal of the city. But even within that uh, that that little chunk of time and around those people, I felt uh, really isolated because I was a Westerner. I was, uh, I had a, I had just a whole different set of ideas and views on the world. And I had a huge, hugely different set of life experiences. And the communication barrier was pretty high for me. It was pretty hard, you know, to get through the, through the communication. And so all that combined, I remember sitting around looking like, man, I've got a billion people around me and I've never felt more alone because I couldn't really interact with them, nor did I feel like they were really wanting to interact with me. Right. And so it was a, it was kind of a fascinating experience from an outside. Now my, my, my buddy Sky would, he would, he would probably be the other end of the spectrum. He, he loves it, finds it at homey and embracing and really loves the kind of old world feel that it has. And so he, he's got maybe a different experience there, but right on. 
Um, yeah, I was just kind of curious if anything had sort of seeped in from his, uh, you know, just talking with him. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably one of the most fascinating countries in the world, probably the most valuable real estate in the world, which is kind of funny to think about it like that, but think about how, how the world is carved up into, re, into, into kind of resources and access, right? And so since, since they are, uh, since Turkey is right, has, you know, basically guards the mouth of the Black Sea, which provides uh, ocean Oil, support yeah. for, for the Russian states, right? It's this hugely influential gateway. Uh, by controlling the Bosphorus Straits there, so I don't know. I thought that it's I don't know geographically it's like the most most well positioned country in the world, but maybe why it's had a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of kind of historic indeed, uh, indeed. ups and downs. Right on. Um, but yeah, in addition to Erdogan, you have Marine Le Pen in France, who was the Front National, and her mm-hmm. father was also like this big right wing pretty far right guy and so I think he was actually the leader of the group before she was and then you have in Britain you have oh Brexit and that whole thing yeah. but the there's a I forget the fucking guy's name um, he's a ghoul he's a total ghoul I the, forget what the what fuck the, his name the, is the prime minister no the prime minister is Theresa May which actually she had a funny clip this week did you see this clip I, of her I dancing it, no. I think it was in Kenya or something. I was just, it's really funny. I'll have to show it to you later. But, uh, fuck, I cannot for the life of me think of the guy's name. But anyways, he's just another... But the, the guy that led Brexit? He's a, like far... Oh, Nigel Farage is the oh, guy. Okay. Nigel Farage. Um, trying to think of... The, I feel like there's someone else in another country that's along the same lines. But you have crazy shit happening in like Poland and Romania and a few of these different countries where like this right-wing populist rhetoric is really taking hold well i think it's easy to you when people start to feel marginalized it's easy to kind of rally you know it's it's easy to kind of rally a base when you can find an easy scapegoat you can kind of harness the anger that maybe people feel if they're you know underdeveloped socioeconomically or they've got these kind of hardships in life i think it's easier to tap into that uh Kind of tap into that emotion and then harness it and use it for your whatever your national. You know, do you fear God? Do you love your country? Vote for <laughs> me, right? It's like simple. It's fucking. It's a simple message. <laughs> yeah, and people respond to it. Right. They just do automatically I mean, all over the world. <laughs> uh, but that's what's so funny to me, though, is like, and I'm I've said this many times. I don't think that Trump is necessarily like an aberration. Like this, this is where things have been going and. He's just upfront about the things that the rest of them sort of dude. He's a have. personification of America's evil little heart. You know, like he is like the he is like the uh, he just embodies like all these like all this shit that everybody you know that everybody kind of thinks about America. <laughs> all the little deep little truths, you know. He just embodies it all. We're a little superficial. We're a little shady. We're a little fuck everybody else, you know, and he we're just, out of shape. Yeah. You know, we have nicer boats than other people. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, he's the, he's the, the, like the embodiment of all that negative, of all those negative stereotypes wrapped up into one neat package, uh, which is embarrassing. <laughs> I think that it's funny though, that do you remember when he sort of got away with like, 
talking shit about John McCain specifically about, you know, I believe in people, you know, I like heroes that don't get shot down. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Which, like, if anyone else had, had said that, they would have been, you well, know, just destroyed is, is in the your, media. Your range of tolerance for him is, is, is bigger than for a normal person, right? You tend to give him more slack because he's been so outlandish for so long and done so much that, like, oh, well if anybody else said that, right? But it's him. So, yeah. oh, no big deal because it's, it's relative to other shit he said. True. You know? It's like they used to say only Nixon could go to China. Why, why was that? Because Nixon was this, at the time, like Nixon now, like looking back, he feels like a centrist or something, but at the time Nixon was like the arch rightist or like Republican. Yeah, right. You know, during Watergate and all that shit. Well, I, I, I think probably one of the most important things that, uh, that needs to happen, and this is not to get like overly like economic and political overlap, but uh, we got to undo all the tariff stuff. Man, the tariffs have a reverse effect from what they're predicting they'll have or what he's trying to preach that they will have. Uh, you know, so to have a trade war, I mean, it is just asinine to think that that's going to help the economy in any way. You know, it may help a very small sect or a few people. And outside of that, people pay astronomically for that that kind of, I don't know, that national policy blunder, you know? That's my opinion, that, uh, that you know, first and foremost, man, you gotta, you gotta get all your trade stuff back the way it was so that we can kind of go back to normal uh, before we start incurring a bunch of extra costs, you know? And this whole raising the interest rate, that's gonna slow down the economy quite a bit as well. like. I think he's going to put major breaks on the economy, and we're going to feel it next year. Not that I'm a big economist or economic theory guy, but I know that you raise interest rates and you charge everyone more money. <laughs> money stops moving. Money stops moving. Our economy slows down. It's like overly simplified, but yeah. I think but I mean, just in general, it's like at some point this supposed recovery has to end. We've been turning on for like what ten plus years now. Yeah, coming up on ten years. Yeah. And at some point, the chickens, I mean, we didn't really fix, we just sort of, you know, we patched up capitalism and sent it on its way, but we really didn't do anything to address the underlying structures of what caused the collapse in the first place, and no, no one got you're, punished, and you're right. nothing really changed. They repealed the Dodd-Frank uh, you know, requirements and things like that, yeah, and this, are really just fist-fucking, fist you know, with all the national park land that's been sold to you know private interests and and so forth yeah there's uh there there's some some terrible stuff that needs to be undone um if it can because it's gonna ultimately pay for we're ultimately all gonna pay a lot higher price for for these blunders and maybe what's intended i had a i was listening to a like an indian guru lady uh, talk the other day and she was saying that the 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 true cost for our society to live is these are these these kind of huge environmental externalities probably yeah maybe that's what you call them these but these kind of huge and we're basically you know using the environment at a far higher rate than what we should as a society living on the earth right and um and and that's what is ultimately going to kind of bankrupt us as a as species a, as a species <laughs> right. right right exactly so it's like Three and four dollar a gallon gas—that seems expensive. Well, shit, man, gas should probably be ten bucks a gallon. 
Absolutely. you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, but, but, but just by the very, you know, by trying to force prices lower, we're basically taking, we're living on borrowed time against the, against the environment. So she was a big proponent of, of, you know, environmental conservatism so that you don't, uh, you know, deplete your, ultimately your planet, uh, which it's a great idea, but you know, people still want cheap plastic shit from Walmart. Yeah. It's often been argued that most corporations would not be profitable if they actually had to pay the cost of the externalities. Yes. No, I think you're exactly and right. And it's like a very insidious thing because they'll take, they sort of privatize something that has a common, that right. is essentially held in common before they extract the profit from it and then the cost of the environmental damage or what have you is then passed on to society at large. So predatory capitalism that is just, like I said, I already laid it out, it's extracting the profit and then socializing the losses to the rest of us. No, you're exactly right. That's like, that's well, well said. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head with that. I don't know what the solution is to that, you know. Um, I, I think it's actually, it's a, a great segue into a clip that I want to play from, all right. from Tucker Carlson of all people. So it it definitely ties into this scenario because so this has often been something stated by leftists. Typically, this is something that's lodged at a, at a place like Walmart, in particular that employs quite a few people. But the majority of the people that are so many people that work for Walmart are uh, on some type of food stamps or some type of government assistance program. And so the argument being that you know we're essentially subsidizing this business model or this billion, you know, this giant corporation that has a GDP that's larger than a lot of countries on its own. Um, but lately, somehow Amazon, and I'm guessing this has to do with Bezos. So Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post, which has oftentimes been critical of Trump and vice versa. But so Tucker Carlson came on Fox News of all places and is basically spouting this oftentimes like leftist rhetoric that's been leveled at Walmart and Amazon. So I, w- I want you to hear this and then we'll uh, we'll all recap right. and, and see what we're. And fifty billion dollars. That's enough to make him the richest man in the world by far and possibly the richest human being in all of human history. It's certainly enough to pay his employees well. But he doesn't. A huge number of Amazon workers are so poorly paid, they qualify for federal welfare benefits. According to data from the nonprofit group New Food Economy, nearly one in three Amazon employees in Arizona, for example, was on food stamps last year. Jeff Bezos isn't paying his workers enough to eat, so you made up the difference with your tax dollars. Next time you see Jeff Bezos, make certain that he says thank you. What about the Walton family? They founded Walmart. Collectively, they're worth about $175 billion. That's more than the entire gross domestic product of Qatar, the oil-rich Gulf state. The Waltons could certainly afford to be generous with their workers. Instead, they count on you to take up the slack. In 2013, taxpayers sent more than $6 billion to Walmart's employees for food stamps, Medicaid, and housing assistance. And if you think that's remarkable, Meet Travis Kalanick. He's the youthful founder of Uber. 
His personal fortune is close to $5 billion. His drivers, by contrast, often make less than minimum wage. One recent study found that many Uber drivers lose money working for the company. That's not a sustainable business model. The only reason it continues is because of your generosity. Because you're paying the welfare benefits for Uber's impoverished drivers, child billionaires like Travis get to keep buying bigger houses and more airplanes. He's someone else who owes you a thank you note. If you can think of a less fair system than this, send us an email. We'd love to hear about it. This system is indefensible. And yet, almost nobody ever complains about it. How come? Well, conservatives like us support the free market, and for good reason. The free market works. But there's nothing free about this market. A lot of these companies operate as monopolies. They hate markets. They use government regulation to crush competition. There's nothing conservative about that, just as there's nothing conservative about most big corporations. Holy shit. Like, what the no, fuck no, is he's this? exactly right, uh, man. Oh, Tucker. Jesus Christ. Like, he usually just has this slack-jawed look in his eye, but he was he's, like, right there. He's right there to, like, realizing how fucking stupid this system is. But he just quite, he can't quite make that extra little leap. Well, but, he, I mean, it's 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 exactly it's exactly the the high price of low cost goods. That's exactly what he's talking about, and it's uh, and we're basically as a society we're bearing the cost in a different form, in the form of taxes or social security, uh, social safety nets, right? Uh, that's that's really our uh, our cost, you know. So when we get our our ninety nine cent, you know, pair of scissors, pink flamingos, man, pink flamingos for the yard, right, for the yard, fucking awesome. Aesthetic uh, as fuck. Well, that's why you got to pay a little more taxes. So you get those cheap pink flamingos, you know? Uh, what he's saying is spot on. It's exactly right. I don't know what the solution is. I mean... I just it, think that it's funny. It's fucking... It's almost makes me shit my pants to hear this kind of thing argued on Fox News by Tucker Carlson because it's so spot on. It's exactly right, but that's... This is the thing is this is this is capitalism. This is late stage capitalism because eventually in a free market all the funds, all the money, all the capital, all the resources pool into fewer and fewer hands. And whenever your whole um, you know, productive system and is based upon what uh you, you know, based on what human interests, like my personal interest is this. So I if I me everyone pursuing their own personal interest um, is good eventually because they're you know I'm gonna buy this good from you and it's gonna drive me to be lean and un- to profit and blah 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 and right I can create more wealth you know what I mean but yeah it's even just I've heard this talk before but wow it just blows me away because I don't even think the ir- irony of this is this is not even something you would hear on MSNBC I don't think or in the m- more liberal press they're sort of they wouldn't make these types of uh, things, but he's couching it, couching it in this conservatism. It's so fucking weird. Just a sign of the weird times we live well, I in. Think, where I think it, I think you're right. Almost he's almost coming to a realization that it's kind of a fucked system. And nobody complains about, about it. it. What are you saying? Nobody like uh, oh nobody ever questions this system of global capitalism that we have. Well, gee, f- no fucking shit, Tucker. Jesus fucking Christ, like. Duh, bro, it's called capitalist ideology, which is the most powerful force on the planet next to compounding interest. <laughs> yeah, right. But to ultimately affect any real change, you have to change 
kind of the mentality at the very top. Like you're not going to get the haves to suddenly want to have not, you know, well, you, you know, there's no, there's no motivation for the equality or the redistribution of wealth. And that's really what we're talking about is the redistribution of wealth versus concentration of wealth. And you, there, there's no motivation for it. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really, I got it mind boggling. I don't know what the, I don't know what the, the solution is. Right. I mean, we all, we all want cheap stuff. Nobody wants to work extra hard. The rich people don't want to be poor, right? The, you know, the the poor people don't want to pay more for goods, right? So it's kind of a vicious cycle. Um, I think it's it's not that we not, not that we don't know about it and that we're unaware, but again, there's not motivation to change the system or not enough, right? Because that motivation to change has to come at the top. I mean, how often has change come from the top? It never, why would, what's, what's the incentive for the t- people at the top to change well, that's anything? That's my point. <laughs> there is none, right? Like, uh, I mean, really, the only way for it to really change is, is for everyone to, you know, in essence, say, okay, we're all going to boycott Walmart and shop local. That's kind of the silly one-liner solution, right? Which, I mean, I don't think practically even works because people are so fucking crushed already by right. the low wages that they're receiving that it's like, ah, that's such such a fucked scenario. It is. But what's even, you know, you're talking, we were talking about externalities earlier, and if you think about this, we've really outsourced a lot of our environmental devastation to China, um, you know, what, Myanmar, Burma, like any of these places where this sort of sweatshop type labor exists, you know, where there's no regulations on, you know, no environmental regulations and so forth. So we're basically pushing off all those, all the bad, you know, externalities to those other countries. And that allows us here in the U.S. to keep our high standard of living. And then we, it's a lot harder for us to realize this sort of problems that are occurring because they're not in our backyard it's someone it's someone else's backyard you know what i mean it's still happening on a global scale you know just because we don't want the nuclear waste buried over here we're going to pay some other country to take all our nuclear waste well it's still in it's still in the world you know i mean ultimately yes eventually it does catch up with you but until then you know then you can sort of keep things nice and pretty and no one you know, ask any questions and keep a lid on it. Exactly. It's easier to out of sight, out of mind in that scenario. But the real insidious part of this too, the other side of the coin is that all of this shit can only flourish because, you know, human capital in the form of labor is mostly geographically bound, right? Like I can't just be in Tokyo tomorrow. Yeah, I can, but not the way that capital can move. You know what I mean? Capital can flow in at the speed of light sure. across the globe, back and forth. Whereas labor, you're sort of trapped. It's not as if you have the ability to just pick up and move at a moment's notice. You know what I mean? You're sort of anchored in by if you have a mortgage or you have kids in school or you have like blah, 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 X, Y, Z. So you're always going to be at a disadvantage to capital because of the capital not being a really physical good necessarily in all aspects sure especially when it comes to financing Hmm. well i guess the other what's like the the other the other approach is uh oh what was that uh 
Oh, it was like the it's like the like a James Bond type movie out of uh, oh my god I can't think of the name of it. Um, oh, it had uh, had Samuel L. Jackson as the supervillain with the lisp, and. Uh, Oh, was it like the Kingsman or something? The Kingsman, yes, yes. Did you know you what's see funny? That? No, I never even oh saw that movie, God, but I know what movie you're talking about. Well, so yeah, so basically, uh, you know, Samuel L. Jackson is this like crazy eccentric supervillain with a lisp, and he's, you know, he's it's, it's great for him. But uh, he basically says that, you know, uh, the the human race is a is a cancer on the on the uh, on the globe, and so he's gonna kill most of the people. That's his big supervillain plan. So everyone gets free cell phone service, and then with their cell phone, he zaps them all, and they all die. And he owns the cell phone company. Um, so that's like the other the other approach, right? Is we do some kind of like some terrible global extinction, right? To ultimately correct our you know our use of the planet, right? If we don't curb our own use, some external force, in this case, with Samuel L. Jackson, <laughs> will correct us. You know, nature will correct itself. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, I absolutely think that. I think that's the only way meaningful change is possible is that the shit is just going to have to hit the fan. And whenever people are forced, because there is no choice left to deal with the fucking damage we've done, then once they are forced to by circumstance, then change will happen. But until then, the fucking system is just going to keep on going and they'll duct tape it and they'll duct tape it until it just totally collapses and everything is <laughs> falls apart basically well i think we got a lot more duct tape to go but at some point the world's gonna the world's gonna eject us i, I don't know what do you think about you know i've lived in this area a long time and whenever temperatures this summer were getting up to 107 and 108 degrees that's fucking unheard of. So that's what Samuel L. Jackson was saying. He was like, he's like, the, the earth has a fever, so it's The raising. motherfucking earth has a fever. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so I heard he wouldn't do snakes on a plane when they changed the name to not snakes on a plane. <laughs> he's like, if I can't say snakes on a motherfucking plane, I'm not doing the movie. He's <laughs> Monday, Friday, snakes on this Monday, Friday plane. I saw that. <laughs> that's hilarious. But, um, but yeah, it, you know, going back to uh, World Annihilation... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something cheerier yeah yeah right uh he was basically making the argument that the 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 earth has a fever and it was raising its temperature to yeah fight off the infection on yeah it. human beings are a disease yeah we are the cure that's the, the matrix agent smith well it's the same thing it's like a it's this same principle keeps coming up in a lot of movies and wonder if we're headed that direction even that was the angle well I don't know if it's quite the angle in Avengers, the most recent one, Infinity War. Uh, I don't think I saw that one. Okay. Well, I, I won't spoil it for you then, All right. but it has a similar essential idea about basically culling a large amount of the population hmm. Well, it's not to bring a, things into balance. Yeah, it's not, a, uh, it's not a, an uncommon idea. <laughs> uh, not to laugh about it, but... But, I mean, you also, you grew up in Austin, right? Yeah. Spent what most of your life here if not all yeah do you ever recall temperatures i mean 107 in in central texas i to me that's that's fucking crazy well it's spot on i mean temperatures are raising all over the world and so uh yeah we're we're raising proportionate to everybody else 
So I don't think it's way out of the. I mean, it's out of the norm. It's from, out of the from, from twenty years ago. Yeah, it's way hotter. But there's all the data out there that says it's all hotter. Yeah. Right. So it it it, it tracks exactly with what I believe is happening. Now, apparently, the farmers' almanac says this next year is going to be cold and rainy. Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah, but far, I don't. The farmers' al- almanac. <laughs> Yeah, like if the fucking farmer's almanac was so fucking accurate, they would have made a, a billion dollars already predicting fucking global weather patterns. That means like how much I, stock can you really put into it? Well, I have the farmer's almanac app. <laughs> <laughs> Did you pay anything for that app? No, it was free. It's free. But I'm subject to their app. Somebody had to pay for that shit. <laughs> yeah. So there. So um, it's kind of fun. I'd watched uh, so History Channel has all these kind of far out there shows about kind of ancient aliens and origins of people and where we all came from and whatnot. And, and there's some some pretty far out ideas that basically suggest that the human population has been uh, has been altered and wiped out several times over the course of history. Yeah. So like modern history says that. You know, pyramids are roughly 10,000 years old, and that's roughly when the last Ice Age was. And Oh, they're not even that old. Well, that's they're what, like 5,000, that, 6,000. Well, that's what they're arguing, right? Okay. That's what this, you, know, mo- you know, a lot of scientists will kind of make that argument. Well, these, these kind of other guys are saying that they're actually like, I mean, exponentially older. We're talking tens of thousands, of hundreds of thousands of years old, right? I mean, just not even not even remotely close to what the modern science is is, is suggesting and that uh, humans I guess have been inadvertently uh, grown if you will so we've got these kind of extraterrestrial beings that came in and genetically altered humans to to basically make make us their slaves and then within these aliens there was a basic uh, a real basic uh, argument between should the humans uh, have free will or should the humans be slaves that have to serve us right and this is kind of a similar argument that we've seen through religion that we've seen through it's it's a really interesting paradigm right yeah. free will and so um the you know what they're what they're supposing is that they've created the human race a few different times just to kind of see how we see how we do and each time they end up wiping us out with a cataclysmic event. You know, at one point it was the flood, Bible, Noah, that kind of stuff. Another point was uh, fire, and that was dinosaurs, and that was all fire. Then there was the Ice Age, right? And then there were, and so they've got all these kind of cataclysmic events that have happened over the course of time that would effectively wipe out everybody on the earth. And then from a historical point of view, we basically make a lot of ground very quickly, right? So without, without, with having to kind of, or learn that knowledge from scratch, we wouldn't evolve at the rate we have evolved unless we had some kind of external education. So that's kind of the big argument for, you know, we don't really follow evolution because we fast track at certain points in time. And, and, and you say you can't really fast track unless you like have an external influence, right? That kind of gives you the fast track and gives you the, the secret sauce, so to speak. So, um, I was kind of on a tangent here. Oh, but I guess ultimately going back to like, will, will the world cull itself of the disease? Maybe. Or maybe it would be the ancient aliens. You know, it's, uh, but either way, there's probably a big culling that's coming. Uh, if, you, if you watch History Channel uh, kooky uh, <laughs> uh, TV shows. Yeah. I mean, I think it's coming for sure. This, uh, you know, you still... Peak oil is something that sort of fell out of favor, but really cheap oil and energy is really what's th- exploded the human population and our ability to 
function in the way that the global economy currently does. And there's no replacement for oil that is that energy dense at that low of a price. Nothing can compete with it. So there's a, you know, eventually, you know, we may not fully ever run out of it and to a certain extent, but there's not a replacement that's ever going to be able to step in and be as cheap. Well, so here's, and, so here's, here's the interesting uh, thing that they say. On, you know, I, I watched, I watched all these TV shows the other day. So kind of my brain's maybe a little fresh slow. on your mind. <laughs> yeah. It's fresh in my brain, but they're basically saying that, um, it ultimately comes down to harnessing energy, right? And we basically learned how to harness explosion energy, right? So we explode gas and pistons of cars, and it generates, turns wheels, and that provides you know, kinetic energy, which is us driving. And, you know, we've got, you know, but all stems from exploding, right? Combustion. Uh, yeah, yeah, combustion, right? Uh, same with the atom bomb, with all these different things, right? Well, atom is nuclear. That's not chemical, though. Right, so but it's, it's still different. taking energy, it's still taking something small and may, it explodes something really big and we harness that energy of something going from small to big right whereas uh they said that the you know the ancient technologies would allow people to kind of harvest all of this kind of uh interim energy that is just you know the the, the earth has got a lot of electrical currents that run through it right but we don't really we don't really harness it right it just kind of is what it is right rivers flow wind blows we have electrical storms lightning strikes we've got all these activities all these things that happen that we don't actually harness because we don't know how we've basically really explored the explosion energy harnessing route as opposed to the let's just gather the energy that already exists right and that's kind of the the main difference i guess between the the these other species and us is that We've kind of got this uh, this way of harnessing energy that is damaging to the earth, whereas uh, other ways are not, and that's going to ultimately be what causes our demise, is that the energy consumption we're using has got a hugely negative byproduct, whereas these other forms of energy harnessing don't. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the, and like you're saying, that's what allowed the population to explode was having access to all this energy, right? But we've got access to basically cancerous energy if you will yeah well even the renewables like solar and wind and even hydroelectric and what have you right like you still how much energy production and resources does it take to create solar panels how many how much of that does it take to transport them how much of that does it take to build a windmill you know farm and all the main and then you've got to maintain them and replace them and so forth so you're still consuming energy you're making a huge upfront investment in in resources to even get to a point where you're reducing your out you know what i mean your carbon footprint even just even just in like transitioning to more sustainable energy you're there's still a huge cost well, right, and so and so the the reason that we put this huge cost into creating these energy sources because energy is so uh, is so valuable. Uh, so it's kind of a funny analogy that uh, they made in the show. They said, "What's the most expensive thing that we make as a society in modern day? It's it's dams, hydroelectric dams are the most expensive thing. Really, as far as even more expensive than a nuclear facility. Um, well, maybe." I don't know. I mean, that, that's that's a it's an interesting question. I'm just going off of what they said, gotcha. right? You know, okay. this per per TV. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can you cite your sources, sir? Yes, TV. Um, 
Well, they're basically saying that, that we put all tre tremendous amount of resources into, I guess, how do electric dams and uh, nuclear power plants or maybe be in the same category as far as they take a tremendous amount of resources to create them, but why do we do it? Because the energy is valuable. So that's why we devote this huge amount of resources as a society to making these big, expensive plants or, or dams projects, or yeah. projects because we really need the energy. So the by that same logic, these pyramids were likely created uh, to harness energy because it took so much, uh, such a high quantity of, of human resources and uh, uh, effort and, and material to build these big things. Why else would you build them? You wouldn't. You would build them for an actual functional cause, and they would say probably to harness energy. So the most expensive things that we build as a society are harnessing, harnessing or energy generating plants or or places. Whereas, same same principle would apply back in the uh, ancient days, right? People would put a tremendous amount of effort into something that would generate energy. So that was kind of a interesting take. So what you're telling me is that the solar panels on the pyramids were looted by later once things hit the fan and egypt collapsed they had to repurpose it was, the silicon. Te it was tesla dude <laughs> tesla dude what, uh you know what's his name uh oh e good friend uh, of the show elon, elon, elon musk. musk yeah yeah he went up there stole them stole them uh those, <laughs> those panels and uh, <laughs> now he's making a fortune but yeah no no in, in essence yeah that was uh that was kind of the idea was that um you would only put that that amount of resource out there for something that would give such would give a huge effect or a huge you know capacity to harness energy. That's the only thing that really makes sense from like a societal point of hmm. view. But things don't. That's the thing is I don't think that things follow that logic. It'd be nice if they did, but it's more it's more likely that the pyramids were some type of communal delusion or they enabled the delusion that the people of Egypt could live forever and experience some type of immortality through their Well, maybe there's a, a communal energy, right? That's something that's kind of fascinating because we're, you know, if they're harnessing a different type of energy, perhaps just being around that pyramid, maybe you're feeling more energized. You know, you think about like, if you go to like a waterfall, right? People, people report feeling energized at waterfalls, right? Have you heard that? I have right. not heard that. Okay, well, Do you people, have a source that's better than just TV. Dude, this is this is <laughs> the, the book. <laughs> a book, <laughs> a book, dude. I read this oh, in a man. book. Books are uh, definitely better than TV, so we're moving in the right direction. Well, it might have been a, it might have been an ad. No, about <laughs> it. No, I know, but seriously, there, there's there's a high correlation between people reporting feeling an an elevated energy level around water, waterfalls, and they did some science to kind of figure out why this is, and what they found was that as water crashes it uh, throws off negative ions okay right? yeah that makes sense and so then you go there and your bot your body is bombarded by these negative ions and the the ultimate effect is that it equalizes your body right and so you whatever your kind of energy polarization may be you come back to a more neutral a more centered a more whatever uh, a state energetic state and that makes you feel elevated. So there's actually some science behind why people are like, oh, this waterfall makes me feel all, I'm all invigorated. Well, yeah, I just got bombarded with negative ions and now you're all you know, electrical equilibrium, you know, that kind of thing. So there's, there, there might be something to be said, something along those lines with regard to the pyramids that maybe they were able to harness energy in some, some way and, and people could feel it and that was, you know, it would help the society, right? 
I don't know. Maybe maybe Co- I sound. Maybe color, I- me, color me pretty fucking skeptical on this one. But I will agree that you're on to something as far as there's legit science that says that water can, like, I think something, if you submerge your face or if you get your face wet, just that alone can drop your blood pressure level by, like, a certain extent. Like, there's something to that. Like, it's very relaxing to you physically. Like, there's a physiological response to just getting wet or being in water. I mean, feels good to take a fucking shower, right? Like, yeah, I like taking showers. Yeah, that shit's relaxing as fuck to me. So, hmm. well, there's something to be said for that. Well, I know that I know that uh, one of the other things that uh, they know water when it runs across limestone, it creates electric current, and there's just something about the polarization of the limestone and how the rock moves over it. And so, uh, aquifers tend to produce electric current. Um, if they're water flowing through a lime rock bed, energy is cre- or, or electricity is created. So one of the one of the theories was that these these uh, pyramids were built over these huge aquifers, these huge limestone aquifers, and uh, that would theoretically create some charges of energy, and then that energy could have been harnessed by the pyramid because it's got conductive rock on the inside, insulating rock on the outside, and who knows how it all works, but. Uh, there's at least some some theories out there that uh, that say they're energy harvesting devices because we know that energy is created by water moving over limestone. So how to get at it, we don't know. But there's some science. There's a little bit of science that backs that stuff up. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm gonna have to do some fucking googling after this. Oh, after dude, this. I got just the sites for you to Google, dude. Don't, <laughs> you don't need to Google. I'll just tell you where to go. Infowars.com. <laughs> Yeah, right. I hear that's a good one. Yeah, right. Oh, dude, that guy's getting his ass handed to him right now. Alex Jones. Yeah, dude, he's getting... And he's, he's had a bunch of stuff happening. Yeah, they kicked... Uh, they removed him, his channel from YouTube. He's out of Austin, too. I think Facebook <laughs> as well. I know, right? Yeah. Well, I was all... You know, I, I didn't mind Alex Jones until, I guess, really... Because he was kind of anti-Bush and at first. And he You know what I mean? He came out with... 9-11, the road to tyranny, kind of saying that the government planned 9-11. And at the time, I was definitely, like, I was, like, hmm, I would not put it past the U.S. government to do some type of false flag so they could, for their, you know, interventionist policies in the Middle East, for example. But, you know, obviously, doesn't seem to be, looking back, that doesn't hold much water. But, you know, I was okay with Alex Jones when he was at that level. But now, like, he's calling people the Sandy Hook victims like crisis actors and getting a little bit uh, wild. And now he's on the Trump train. It's weird. It's like, I guess he's just that smart about who his audience is and how he can make the most money. Yeah, I kind of think Alec Jones is, he's selling supplies. He's selling tapes. He's selling, he's selling a lot of shit. Five gallon food, food (laughs) bags and shit. Supplements, brain supplements. Oh man! To block to block out the liberal media <laughs> poisoning. Yeah. Uh, I've got them, dude. They're called Tic Tacs. <laughs> <laughs> got a different label. <laughs> All right. But what else? Well, I don't know what else. Kind of off here on a liberal tangent here with Alex Jones and Rafar. I guess I don't, I guess, I don't know what he is. He's half. He's he's half. no. He is not someone I would consider to be liberal. Yeah, I don't know I what the fuck you liberal. would. He's uh he's yeah he's. I don't know. He's fucking out there, though. With all the Pizzagate shit and the 
are you familiar with like the QAnon thing? No. Have I'm you even honest, have you I'm heard not, about that? I'm not. I don't pay that much attention to politics, honestly. I, I don't know what QAnon is. What the what was the the scandal? So QAnon. I don't know. It's a, is it a scandal? I'm just assuming. No, it's, it's a just scandal. this like really crackpot fucking um, conspiracy theory that's been out for a while. Basically alleging that all of these world leaders and so forth are all involved in this crazy sex child sex cult oh mm. yeah. yeah yeah it's it's pretty batshit and wild and yeah, weird I'm, I'm unfamiliar with the secret child sex cult <laughs> tell me more <laughs> <laughs> but you know this is something that the the supposed elites do like and there have been some weird things i don't know if you've heard of jeffrey epstein Oh, the, and they the had like church, this. The church guy, that no, oh, that's Joel. That's Joel. Uh, that's Joel Osteen. <laughs> Damn, I don't, I don't even know my figures. Apparently, that guy lives in some. He actually lives in California, but has his church here in in Houston. That's so weird. I guess he flies back and forth or some shit. He's got like a private jet. Well, I'm sure he's got a private jet. You know, all that Jesus money, man. That's a sweet grift. That's where I fucked up. I should have been a some type of like. Um, or like South Park, dude. I have like make a Christian rock band. Dude. You can go triple mer, right? <laughs> triple mer. <laughs> Did you ever see that? Yes, absolutely. Oh, of course. God, that's one of their all-time greatest. One of my favorite parts about that episode is whenever they're shooting the cover for the CD or the album or whatever. And they're yeah. like, you have to look off into the distance. Like you don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's really uh, funny, dude. One of my other favorite uh, episodes was the uh, the South the getting a. Trying to get a Whole Foods to come, and they got Soto Sopa. Oh yeah, that was good. The, the, the gentrification. Yes, yeah, the gentrification. Dude, that is that is poking fun of Austin, like oh, that was so. so yeah, that was really With our Soco SoFi Sola So 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 whatever Soto Sopa. Oh man, the lofts at the residences by Kenny's <laughs> house. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty brilliant. Yeah, I'll say, man, South Park is probably I think the best written adult. Uh, adult cartoon there's there's stuff that's maybe deeper or has got more you know more more to it but it's harder to understand it's more niche you know whereas south park is like relevant to the whole everyone gets it you know and all their kind of social idiosyncrasies that they make fun of are like in your face you know whereas like some of these other you know some of the other shows are a little bit maybe more obscure like you have to really have to have you know known, been familiar with another episode of something else to even follow it. Whereas South Park, anybody can pick up any episode and uh, and just really understand that kind of higher level of humor. On that same train, have you seen the new Sasha Baron Cohen show? Who is America? Uh, I saw a few pieces. I saw the one where he was uh, he was uh, unveiling a mosque. Yes. <laughs> Oh god, you have to catch up on that fucking show. Uh, it was the fucking best, man. That shit is oh my god. It's incredible. Especially so he has one character that's a former Mossad agent, which is like the Israeli Secret Service. These are like, you know, they're fucking they'll like did you ever see Munich? I mean, they'll go in, these guys are deadly, they do some they do dirt. Like <laughs> the Israelis do not fuck around with that shit. Like they will come and they will kill you. So he's this former Mossad agent and he gets these because there's like this weird fixation with the right, especially 
and especially like the Christian right with Israel. Like they have a weird, like they are all about Israel for some reason. It's so bizarre. And so he comes in through in this position of authority as an Israeli and like can get these people to do basically whatever the fuck he wants to because they're just, they just will acquiesce to whatever the fuck he says. So he's got, he had this one guy like pulling down his pants and like backing his ass up to him and all this stuff and got him to say the n-word the guy had to resign i mean it was it's fucking nuts he has another guy that he's wearing a dildo and he's getting the guy to bite on this dildo it's it's insane yeah it's fucking great dude it is hard to watch that stuff sometimes like it's just cringeworthy it's it's so bad i mean i'll be in my room just like howling like i'll be like ah oh my god like well, you would think at this point he's got enough fame that he would be recognized. Like, I can't believe that there are rooms full of people that don't recognize him. Well, that's the thing. He basically had to come up with an entirely new set of characters to right, do the show because of his old ones, you know, like Ali G and Borat. Sure, sure. And, uh, but he's not too far. I mean, he's still Sasha Barrett going and he's still like telling you some asinine shit that like, I don't know. There's another episode where they had held a phony quinceanera. <laughs> oh, wow. That one, too. You have to see that one because it was essentially these three white bigot guys were going to hold a fake quinceanera to try to lure Mexicans with, like, young girls and drugs, and they were going to bust them. But there's even more to it. Like, he was wearing these panties that, like, had a had a vagina attached, and he's all like... He has them on. He's like standing there and getting all of these three guys to rub his vagina panties while he's wearing them. It's so crazy. It's like, what the, like, these people are so enthralled with this that you can get them to do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, but he's like their critical thinking totally stops whenever it's like some authority figure. It's, it's bizarre to me. It's so weird. It's such a crazy social experiment to see play out. And I'm sure there are people that are just as easily duped on the left, but God, it's it's so satisfying to see these idiots just being like shown for what they really are is just fucking lemmings. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, man, he's a he's he's a handful to watch. I really like him. He's doing the Lord's work with the show. I, I highly recommend. You got to <laughs> see Lord's that shit. Lord's work. Yeah, exposing <laughs> these fucking clowns. Um, but yeah, he he did even have Bernie on. He had Bernie Sanders on. Um, he had. One of the sheriffs, the black sheriff that wears a cowboy hat, I forget what his name is. I think his last name is Clark. He had on um, Dick Cheney. But Cheney was a little bit... Cheney like didn't really let him fool him too much. He was pretty savvy, so kudos to that evil bastard. <laughs> yeah, right. Then he even had on this lady that... She's some type of uh, art curator at a museum. She was the best one, man. She was, uh, it was so great. He was basically playing this artist from prison, and he had this work where he had collected pubes from all these people, and he she actually like went into the bathroom and like ripped out some of her pubes and gave it to him to add to the painting. Wow. Yeah. yeah but she was she was so good. She was like, she never made herself look. She made she came out looking great. Actually, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, that's uh. Yeah, man, he just pushes people's limits too, and they do—they suspend their judgment. That's what it is. They're like, uh, 
Because whatever he's saying, it sounds fucking crazy and ridiculous, but they're just... I think it's a combination of, like, being on camera. They all want to, like... Yeah. You know, follow suit and, you know, kind of go with it, but... Um, I mean, I, I do think that person personality types that do... Like, there's some weird authority function that people... A lot of well, people are a certain, just a certain type like, of people will just acquiesce to authority figures without thinking. I don't know. It's some weird, one weird trick, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's fucking funny, man. I don't know. <laughs> I got to watch a few more of those. You'll have to. But uh, I don't know. I don't have much, much else to talk about today. You have any, any final thoughts on anything? No, I'm gonna do my research on ancient aliens. So we're gonna figure out the. We're gonna get to the bottom of the. We're gonna cue that up. Uh, yeah, we'll get I'm to the bottom of the pyramids and Google the, <laughs> pyramid energy grid. That's exactly right, dude. We're gonna get this sorted out. Figure out where we stand as a society. Find out what happened to the lost silicon tablets. <laughs> oh no, I got them. They're right over here, dude. <laughs> the uh, the Dead Sea, not scrolls, but what. The Dead, Pan- sea, the Dead Sea solar panels. The Dead They're sea hiding solar in the cave. Panels, They're yeah, just right. waiting for us it's to my, harness the ancient technology. Dead Sea eye tablet. <laughs> right. Yeah. But a uh, podcast with Cooper Cherry is going to sign off. And Scott, thanks again for coming out today, man. Yeah, man. It's a pleasure as always.